what triggered this bizarre behavior. Journey into the cold heart of northern darkness with Nordic crimes. That case uh, became like a scene from a horror movie. A new true crime documentary series that chilled the bone. The hunger for killing is increasing in the course of these homicides. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nordic Crimes is a part of the Acast family. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello. And welcome back to One Minute Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of this show. Today is part two of my chat with former special agent and author of Behind the Murder Curtain, Bruce Sackman. Over the years, many doctors and nurses from around the world have been arrested, tried and convicted for being medical serial killers. In fact, a quick Google search turns up around 65 of these notable killers that have been eventually brought to justice. But not before they had caused an incredible amount of destruction in their path. People like Dr Harold Shipman, who's expected of killing over 300 of his patients. Donald Harvey, who claims to have killed 87 people. Harvey, who was a hospital orderly, says he started killing out of mercy for terminally ill patients. On top of the Drake killings, Harvey claims he killed 50 more at the Cincinnati VA and Marymount Hospital in London, Kentucky. Maxim Petrov, expected of killing 17 of his patients in Russia. Stefan Letter, a nurse in Germany, 28 patients. Astronomical numbers that Bruce says are in fact not always accurate and could sometimes be a lot higher. These medical serial killers often kill so many people they can't remember themselves. Even in the rare instances where they want to cooperate, they kill so many people they can't remember. You know, your traditional serial killers, if there's such a thing, maybe kill, I don't know, six, seven, eight people. They're amateurs compared to my medical serial killers. Yeah. The average yeah. kills somewhere between 30 and 60. I mean, there have been people that have murdered over 100. Um, Dr. Harold Shipman in England yeah. suspected of murdering 300 patients. I'll come and stand where you'd like me to stand. Right. I've been advised to stand and let you take a photograph and then go away. 
and I'm sure you've had enough time to take a decent photograph. Been, uh, is, is it possible for you just to Thank say you. anything at all? back into surgery to do my surgery. But you have said you Thank have you. nothing to hide. The Greater Manchester GP, Dr Harold Shipman, has been charged with another seven murders. The first witness who's been giving evidence in the trial of Dr Harold Shipman, the family GP accused of killing 15 elderly women patients. Guilty of murdering 15 of his patients, Harold Shipman is sentenced to life. I mean... These numbers are just horrific. They're really un unbelievable. Unbelievable. Numbers. So with these medical serial killers, they must be smart people to get into medicine. Do you think they, they go into this profession with that urge to kill and that's why they go down that route? Do they get into the profession and then suddenly the ego just explodes and they get this sort of God-type complex, you know, the power of it all? Yeah, um, I'd say one size does not fit all here. Um, there are some that I believe had uh, used the opportunity to work in a hospital as an opportunity to murder from the get-go. And then there are the majority of others that some things happen in their life or their career where they started out well-meaning, but then events overtook them and next thing you know, they're murdering people. But, you know, you got to think about this. Look, if you're so inclined to commit a series of murders, what profession and what location might you choose? Well, you want to choose a profession where you have the power of life and death over someone, right? You want to choose where you're working with a group of people who are dedicated to saving lives, so nobody's going to think that your dedication is to taking life. Look, if you want to be a killer, and you join the mafia or some outlaw motorcycle gang, that's not hiding. That's where we think you're going to be, right? But if you go to a place where people have dedicated their lives, in fact, they've taken an oath to save lives, right? They've taken that Hippocratic oath. The nurses take something called the Florence Nightingale oath. Who's going to really think that working in such a dedicated group of lifesavers Someone's actually dedicated to taking lives. And also think about that. How about working in a profession where the victim and family trust you implicitly? Of course, 99.9% of the time, they do have your best interest in mind. So that's certainly understandable. How about working in a place where the strong and assertive all of a sudden become the meek and mild? You know, you could be Mr. Tough Guy on the outside, but all of a sudden, you're not feeling well. And you go in the hospital and you just want to get better. So you don't even ask questions. I've seen huge construction workers terrified of this little nurse coming over with this needle. Uh, and they don't ask questions. They just want to get better. They just accept what's ever being given to them. That's a pretty good place to work, right? How about working in a place where death is a common everyday occurrence. If somebody dies in a hospital, if somebody dies in a nursing home, is that going to be news? Death is a common everyday occurrence. How about working in a place where you could work alone at night? And this is very common. And you just take that curtain, put that curtain behind you and the patient and nobody sees what's going on. And there are no cameras in the patient's areas. So nobody really sees what's going on, you know. Um, if you've ever been in a hospital ward at 3 o'clock in the morning, there's really not that much activity going on in a regular ward. How about working in a place where the police are unfamiliar with it? In fact, 
The police don't even want to go in there. Why? I'll tell you why. Because for one, most cops don't become cops because we're good in chemistry and biology, okay? So we're very, very dependent on the scientists to tell us what happened to the nurses and the doctors. And you know what? There are all these rules in a hospital as far as getting evidence. In the United States, we have this thing called the HIPAA law, mm. which is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. And what that means is that some records you can get, some records you can't get, some records you need a subpoena, some records you need a court order. Sometimes you need a, a judge to sign a subpoena. Oh, this is so confusing. So we're very challenged both scientifically, administratively, and legally when it comes to a hospital investigation. Well, what about if the victim cries out, hey, this nurse is trying to kill me? Oh, we don't pay any attention to that here in the hospital. We hear all that all the time. In fact, if the patient keeps saying that, what are we going to do? We're going to make a little note in their chart saying that they're obviously suffering from the numerous medications that they're under. They're having this terrible interaction and the patient is hallucinating. It's a real condition like this that actually happened. It's called hospital delirium. And hospital delirium is when patients who are under multiple medications start to hallucinate and start to think all kinds of things. So even if this nurse or doctor actually is trying to kill them, it's just going to all be written off the hospital delirium, which is a real medical condition. You see, this is going to be a pretty good place to work if you're so inclined to kill people, huh? So you have the perfect job and the perfect location. And Bruce says, of course, you also have all the tools at your disposal. I mean, it's not like you need to bring a gun or a knife to work when you've got an endless supply of chemicals and poisons to be able to carry out these murders without anyone batting an eyelid. Including, Bruce says, certain chemicals that are still untraceable, even with today's modern technology, which is again why these cases are so hard to prove. Perhaps one of the most famous cases was this um, Charles Cullen. There's actually a show on Charles Cullen called The Good Nurse, and there's a book called The Good Nurse. And this is the story with Charles Cullen, but it's not unique to Charles Cullen. Charles Cullen worked in hospitals in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. The first hospital suspected Charles Cullen of murdering patients. And they did a pretty good investigation. But Charles Cullen moved on to the second hospital. And they were so happy that he moved on to the second hospital. Shh, let's not say anything. Let's just be happy he went. And then he moved on to the third hospital, and the second hospital suspected something, and then the fourth hospital, the fifth hospital, the sixth hospital, the seventh hospital, the eighth hospital, the ninth hospital, and finally at the tenth hospital, some brave whistleblower came forth, called the authorities and let them know. And you know what happened when the authorities went back to the first hospital, the second hospital, the third hospital? Do you think they cooperated with the authorities? Not at all. They wouldn't even supply documents that the police had subpoenaed. They did everything they could to stop and obstruct the police investigations in hospital one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Why? Because they're worried about the reputation of the hospital. 
because they don't want to lose their jobs, they don't want to lose their careers. And this is why medical serial killers kill so many people throughout the world. She's the brave nurse who stopped the maniac who may have been America's most prolific serial killer. He murdered people right in front of me. Amy Loughran worked alongside Charles Cullen for a year and a half at a hospital in New Jersey. Please state your full name. Charles Cullen. Do you wish to plead guilty this morning? Yes, Your Honor. And are you pleading guilty because you aren't? Yes, Your Honor. And I still can't really comprehend it. A registered nurse who was supposed to be a caretaker took the life of my brother for his own personal, selfish, and twisted gain. You are hereby sentenced to New Jersey State Prison to two consecutive life sentences or approximately 127 and a half years of parole ineligibility. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And it's not just Charles Cullen. Not just Charles Cullen. In Germany, there was a nurse. His name is Niles Hogel. Niles Hogel admitted to killing over 100 patients. He says he may have killed more. He just can't remember. When the first hospital suspected something and did a pretty good internal investigation, did they say anything to the second hospital? No. Did they say anything to the third hospital? No. Okay. The police had to exhume bodies in three different countries. The German police, I must say, were very thorough. I worked with them on this. They did an outstanding job. They think he may have killed as many as 300 patients, but they can't prove it. So we know he proved so, killed somewhere between 100 and 150 patients. All right. Well, here in Germany, a court has sentenced one of the world's most prolific serial killers to life in prison. 
Former hospital nurse Niels Högel has been found guilty of killing 85 patients in his care. Yes, so Niels Högel injected medicine uh, to his patients in the first place, which may kill them, so that then he could come to the to the scene and be the big hero uh, to reanimate them and to, to save them, actually. But a lot of times it didn't The work. biggest question most people would have is, how do these people get away with these things for so long? Surely their colleagues get suspicious. Surely people are reporting them to management. Well, yes, they are says Bruce, but it's management that is brushing these things under the carpet. But the scary thing, whether it be Charles Cullen or, or whether it be Niles Hogel or a number of other medical serial killers throughout the world, is that the role of management in defending the person who's suspected of committing the murders and actually criticizing and attacking those who make the allegation. Let me tell you about another case that we had in the United States. Now, I didn't think in the United States of America you could be criminally prosecuted for being a whistleblower. Hell, I thought we had all these whistleblower protection laws, right? You know, that we welcome whistleblowers. Well, this is what happened in a place called Kermit, Texas. These two nurses, small hospital, these two nurses suspected this doctor of harming patients they go to the manager of the hospital and the manager says do you know how hard it is to find doctors in Kermit Texas we're lucky we have a doctor here so you know what nurse keep your mouth shut if you want to keep your job and just go back to your office and don't say anything so these two nurses says what the hell do we do now and these two nurses happen to be the entire compliance department of the hospital He said, one nurse said, I have an idea. Let's send an anonymous letter to the state medical board about this doctor laying out all our allegations. Well, the doctor gets wind of this, and boy, is he pissed. So he calls the local sheriff, who happened to be one of his patients, and he says, Sheriff Roberts, the sheriff's name was Robert Roberts, said, Sheriff Roberts, I think these women are intentionally trying to harm my reputation. I want you to do something about it. And the sheriff says, don't worry, doc, I'm on the case. And he gets a search warrant for their hospital computers and determines that they were the authors of the anonymous letter to the state. So what happens? He actually has them arrested and prosecuted For misuse of official information, which is a felony in those parts. So what happens to these brave whistleblowers? They get fired. They have to pay for their own attorneys. They get arrested. They get processed. And they go to trial. The jury's out for about 20 minutes. It comes back and says, are you kidding me? These nurses deserve a medal for what they did. Not to be criminally prosecuted. What kind of message did that send out? Hey, nurse, you want to be a whistleblower? Did you hear about those two nurses in Texas? Did you hear what happened to them? Do you want to pay for your own attorney? Do you want to go through all of this? Or are you just going to keep your mouth shut and hope this guy or girl moves on to the next hospital? And that is the scenario we see over and over again. And I'll tell you something, my friend, is my personal opinion. Until we get some prosecutor who can successfully prosecute managers for aiding and abetting these murders, 
It's going to continue, whether it be murders, whether it be allegations of continued sexual assault, anything of that nature. Nothing happens to the managers. They don't even lose their jobs. And that is why we're in the situation we're on today. Now, you know, remember the case of Lucy Letby. Everybody knows Lucy Letby, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know that the whistleblowers had to actually apologize? They wanted to apologize to Lucy for making allegations against her during this entire process. In fact, it was the killer who was about to turn complainant. Lucy Letby took out a grievance, with doctors forced to write this apology to her. Dear Lucy, we would like to apologise for any inappropriate comments that may have been made during this difficult period. We are very sorry for the stress and upset that you have experienced in the last year. Please be reassured that patient safety has been our absolute priority during this difficult time. And let me tell you, I have seen this before. And again, you know, it takes a lot of courage to be a whistleblower. Because first of all, let's say you're a whistleblower and you come to me, Jack, and I'm I'm the manager. And you say, you know, Mr. Manager, I think every time this nurse Bruce is on duty, the death rate goes up. Nurse Bruce takes a vacation, the death rate goes down. Well, there's Jack. That doesn't mean that Bruce is a serial killer, does it? I mean, maybe Bruce has the most complex cases. Maybe there's a reason for that. Yes, Mr. Manager, you're right. But you know what? These patients weren't expected to expire when they did. Their death was a real shock to us, but not a shock to Nurse Bruce. Well, I want to ask you a question there, uh, Nurse Jack. Um, Is your training and everything up to snuff? I mean, if we drug tested you right now, are you going to test positive for any drugs? You see, the reason why I ask you that, it's really for your own protection, of course. But when you start making these allegations, you yourself sort of become under investigation. So we'd have to look at your training, your background. We'd have to drug test you, you know. And the pro- the fact is that many, many of these whistleblowers, look, they're all human beings. And they have fallacies. You know, I had this one case that's in my book. It's very, very similar to Lucy Ledby, actually. And the whistleblowers on the Kristen Gilbert case, they had drug problems. They had issues. Hey, they're human beings. So they had to, in court, reveal that they had drug problems and all that, but still testify against the serial killer. That took a lot of courage. So this is a case, Kristen Gilbert, very, very similar to Lucy Ledby in this way. Kristen Gilbert, she used to love the excitement of a code, all right, because that's when she would come in and take charge and she'd show the world what a fantastic nurse she was. You know, I gave her an opportunity to really show off. But what's interesting and very similar to Lucy Letby, during these codes, her boyfriend would also be at the code as well. And just like Lucy Letby with this doctor that she allegedly uh, had interest in, Kristen Gilbert had interest in somebody that will always appear at the codes. In fact, witnesses say while Kristen Gilbert was working on the patient, she was there was actually some grab ass going on between her and this other guy that was there right when the patient's there. So it became even like a sexual experience for her. 
Well, Kristen Gilbert reinvestigated her. She used epinephrine, by the way, and she was found guilty. And because of these very brave whistleblowers. But when the brave whistleblowers after the trial and the trial lasted for six months, this was a six month trial. When the brave whistleblowers returned to their jobs, do you think they were welcomed as heroes? No, absolutely not. No, just the opposite. Just the opposite. What did you do to us? You know, now when people drive by this hospital, they don't say what great treatment they got at this hospital. They say, that's where the serial killer worked. You don't want to work there. You don't want to send your family to that hospital. So, you know, we, we could all lose our jobs. They could close down this hospital. Why did you have to call the authorities? Why did you have to disclose to them that you thought Kristen Gilbert was killing people? That was the response from their own co-workers. That's why it's so easy. That's why the numbers are so horrific. The numbers are just crazy, and that's why. But what's even more terrifying about that, Bruce, is that how many doctors and nurses and other people who have committed murders in hospitals do we not know about because of this secrecy from the hospitals? Well, I'll tell you something, Jack. When I give my presentations, and I give my presentations in front of a lot of medical groups and police groups, inevitably, somebody will call me on the side and say, hey, you know, Bruce, we had this one nurse, or we had this one doctor. We suspected of something, and we said something to management, but they poo-pooed it, and we don't know what happened to this person after that. That person left. And this is not uncommon. This is not uncommon. And I've made these presentations throughout the world as far as way, uh, away as Dubai. And I am telling you, inevitably, somebody will come up to me and whisper in my ear and tell me a story of that one co-worker they suspected. But when that co-worker moved on, they were just so happy and they just let it go. That's ter- pretty scary stuff. Oh, it's 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 absolutely terrifying. But I mean, is there is there is there red flags around these people that you know you you as a yes. professional can spot? Yes, and you know what? One of the things I uh, I do when I give these presentations, I go through the red flags, and I have twenty six red flags actually that I go through. And um, the first one is it starts with statistics. Every time Nurse Bruce is on duty, the death rate goes up. Nurse Bruce takes a vacation, the death rate goes down. That does not mean that Nurse Bruce is a serial killer. But if the patients weren't expected to expire when they did, that's a real red flag, okay? But you can't convict anybody just on that. Also, we find, remember we talked about 3 a.m., that they like to work the graveyard shift, Yeah. all right, when there's nobody there, and uh, they could get away with a lot more than they can during the busy times. So many medical serial killers prefer that 3 a.m. shift, all right? This is something fantastic, unbelievable, but true. In the Kristen Gilbert case, and I always invite everybody to read about the case, to look at some news stories about the case, because this story I'm going to tell you is true. There's a patient in the VA hospital. His name is Kenneth Cutting. Kristen Gilbert, nurse Kristen Gilbert, goes to her supervisor and says, if 
Kenneth Cunning should expire around uh, 6.15 tonight. Can I go home early? And the supervisor says, well, we don't expect Kenneth Cunning to expire at 6.15. I suppose if he does, you can go home early. But So guess what happened at 6.15? That's incredible. And this is true. This is true, and I invite everybody to double-check what I'm saying about that particular story. So they they're uncommonly accurate in predicting a patient's yes. demise. Okay. And like I say, these patients deaths were not expected by the family or uh, even the nursing staff, because if you ever had a loved one in the hospital that was really sick, you kind of knew when they were, you know, they were going to expire and the staff knew not in these cases, in these cases, many times the patients are actually improving only to get a visit from that particular nurse or doctor that ends their life. And that's really, really a big difference, all right? But many times, and I had this one case here, um, this was in Italy, where a, a nurse was accused of killing 13 patients with the blood thinner heparin. And this is the way the news story started. It says, a probe was launched launched last year after statistical anomalies were flagged in the anesthesia and intensive care department of a hospital in Piambino, a coastal city approximately 40 miles from Florence. Well, how would you like to be a statistical anomaly or have someone in your family be a statistical anomaly? But that's what the defense, you know, that's what the... the um, Management says, ah, it's a typical. It's a statistical amount. And then the death certificates, all right? And we could talk for hours about death certificates, but let me just say this. A famous story here in New York City about death certificates. Um, people who look at medical statistics were noticing that a very high number of people in the borough of Staten Island, which is a borough of the city of New York, were dying from myocardial infarction. I said, what the hell's going on? Why is everybody in Staten Island dying from this heart ailment? Maybe it's that pollution from New Jersey that's coming over and killing everybody. We don't know. But they weren't dying from that because the death certificates were fraudulent. The funeral homes, in an effort to bury people quickly, they weren't getting the death certificates from the hospital, so they forged them. Oh my God. They forged them. And I can tell you, death certificates many times are actually signed by physicians who never even saw the patient. And they just kind of fill in a catch all, like myocardial infarction, some kind of heart related ailment. And even after we proved the murder on some of these patients, the local coroners would still not change the death certificate, even though we proved that it was a different cause of death. So, death certificates. I've learned are usually pretty, pretty useless. You know, and a lot of people swear by them, but it's not true. And you know what's also strange? We find that even when a doctor and nurse is suspected, like Lucy Lepi, of killing patients, they continue to work there. They continue having patient care. Could you believe that? This is true throughout the world because the hospitals are so worried about getting sued by that particular nurse or doctor. They allow them to have patient care. I can't really understand that, but it happens all the time.
It happens all the time. And you know, you know what happens? The nurses start talking. They say, hey, you know that nurse Bruce over there? He's like the angel of death. Well, the patients hear that. We, I had one case in Missouri where the patient heard that he runs out of the VA hospital. The VA police run after him. They bring him back. Guess what happens to him that night? He dies unexpectedly. All right. Um, all these, All these stories are true. When I teach the police how to investigate these things, you got to remember, by the time the police show up on the scene, it's not like a crime scene that you see on the news mm-hmm. where there's a body there and it's roped off and you got the lab boys and DNA and this kind of thing. When you pull up to a hospital crime scene. It's the most sterile place high, in the world. <laughs> yeah. There's a high probability that that scene has already been scrubbed to surgical standards. What's CSI going to do now? The person has been buried already. Well, what's CSI going to do now? This is another thing that makes these cases so difficult to prove and takes so long to investigate. Um, it's, it's very complex. But if you know where to look, it's helpful. And I teach the police where to look. And there are places to look. But many times, there literally is nothing. As a professional and an expert in this field, does it terrify you how little it's spoken about because you really don't hear unless as you say a lepby comes up or a shipman comes up and we spoke about this before we hit record was you know our attention span as the general public is so short that once this is out the news cycle people just forget about it and carry on with their lives do you find it astonishing that it's not spoken about more because you we're talking thousands of people being killed at the hands of physicians and, and nurses oh look who's the advocate for these victims All the money is on the other side. Mm. All the money is on the hospital side. All the money and the resources are the management side, arguing what a great job their hospital is doing. And of course, look, the last hospital I I worked at, they were literally saving lives every day. I mean, you know, look, the overwhelming majority of healthcare workers are the most honest, hardworking, dedicated people you'd ever want to meet, which is why... These serial killers get away with this because they're in that group of such wonderful people. So management will take all his resources and understandably, you know, to paint that positive light on everything in the hospital. And anything negative, they fight tooth and nail. You know, I don't know if if this hit the news where you are. There was an OBGYN in... um. Columbia Presbyterian University Hospital in New York, which is a one of the most prestigious hospitals around. This OBGYN sexually assaulted about 250 patients. The hospital fought the police, fought the families, defended the doctor tooth and nail. This is really, really terrible. In fact, one of the victims... I don't know if you remember the last year or last election, there was a guy named Andrew Yang who was running for president uh, of the United States. His wife was actually one, one of the victims here. So the hospital bent over backwards and they were sued and they had to pay a lot of money. Did any of the managers lose their job? Guess what? No. Did it cost them any of the managers any money? No. Did any of the managers get prosecuted for aiding and abetting this guy sexually abusing all these people after they heard over and over and over 
what was going on? No. Until that cha- changes, Jack, we'll be having this conversation again next year. And and look, you know, we've spoken about medical serial killers and people that are out to actually sort of kill people. But, you know, looking at this series that I've just watched, Dr. Death on Christopher Dunch, I mean, he wasn't necessarily out to kill anyone, but he was his horrendous acts within surgery led to people's deaths. So there's that on top of it as well. There's, you know, malpractice by doctors who have got these inflated egos um, as to their capabilities. And again, they, they do surgeries which create utter chaos and maim people, kill them. And and that is, and again, is even more people on top of it. Yes, unfortunately, that's true. And that's that group of physicians, a small, small, small group that, after their first malpractice incident, they just keep doing it again and again and again and harming people again and again using the same tactic until eventually they're prosecuted. But look how many victims. Why did there have to be so many victims mm. until something happens? And this is the part that really I find very, very upsetting. You know, when I was watching Lucy Letby and I was trying to read everything I could on there, and I'm saying to myself, there was no need for this. If these whistleblowers had the right protection that they should have, if management was held accountable, hell, if they even got a lecture on my red flags, they would know what the hell is going on. But right now, as we speak, there are a number of cases ongoing right now, which you, your viewers can track. There's one ongoing in Canada. Dr. Nadler. Dr. Nadler is accused of murdering people during COVID. We begin tonight with a disturbing allegation in an eastern Ontario town. Police say they're looking into multiple suspicious deaths and a doctor at the local hospital is charged with first-degree murder. The Ontario Provincial Police have charged Brian Nadler in connection with at least one suspicious death at the Hawkesbury and District General Hospital, where he was a physician. It was a shock when a doctor at this hospital in Hawkesbury in eastern Ontario was charged with murder last year. Now, almost 18 months later, even more disturbing, that same doctor, 35-year-old Brian Nadler, has been charged with three additional counts of first-degree murder. Well, what happened during COVID? The first thing we were told is no family is allowed in the hospital, right? It's too dangerous for the family to be there. So not only can you work at three o'clock in the morning with nobody around, but you don't even have to worry about the families being there or being an advocate for the patient. And he has allegedly, because it's still going on, murdered a number of patients during COVID. And there's a similar case ongoing now in Germany, where a doctor is accused of killing patients during COVID. And there are other cases going on as well in, involving nurses. And there was just one, just one. I don't know if you, you saw this one. It was a Pennsylvania nurse. She confessed to killing 19 patients with insulin. The unimaginable case of a local nurse who's accused of purposely harming her patients, even killing some with excessive doses of insulin. All new tonight, the criminal case against a former nurse in Western Pennsylvania has expanded. Already charged with two homicides, Heather Presti is now linked to more than a dozen more fatalities. New charges have been announced against a Western Pennsylvania nurse after police say she confessed to trying to kill more people. 41-year-old Heather Presdy is accused of prescribing excessive amounts of insulin to patients, ultimately killing two patients and hospitalizing a third. Insulin, by the way, has become the number one murder weapon 
for my medical serial killers, oh, insulin, really? because it's very easy for a nurse or a doctor to put the grabus on. And there's not many controls with insulin. It's not a controlled drug like, you know, like my epi- like uh, my succinylcholine. It's not locked up in the same way. You know, it's interesting because this is something the prosecutor said. And this case was just like a, a month ago. This is one of the worst cases we have seen with someone in the healthcare system going from facility to facility and unfortunately admitting to killing multiple people. That's not new. That's not new. This prosecutor may think it's new. I have news for him. That's the standard operating procedure. That's not new. The family wants to know how this nurse managed to work at 11 11 rehabilitation facilities over five years where she murdered people. Talk about the red flags. You know, according to the lawsuit, staff members of the center began to notice that the nurse was exhibiting troubling behavior and that the health of the patients in the care would unexpectedly deteriorate. Haven't we just talked about that? Yeah. The last hour? Mm-hmm. Unexpectedly deteriorate. These red flags. That's why they're red flags. The staff started to refer to her as the killer nurse. Oh, my God. But she's still working there. She's still working there, all right? She would say to the staff, when is this patient going to die? Probably tonight. And the patient died that night, all right? Prosecutors said that she usually administered the insulin doses during overnight shifts when staff was low. Remember that red flag? Overnight shifts when staff were low. So all the red flags, all the red flags are out there, and people are still dying. Come on, medical world. Get with it. Nobody has more respect for nurses and doctors than I do because I work with so many of them. They're amazing. But come on. It's time for a sea change here. When we suspect something, you got to take this person out of patient care straight away and then do a thorough investigation to leave them there. Even when they're known to the staff as the killer nurse, you're still leaving her there. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Oh, it's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> absolutely terrifying. And as you said, you know, most ninety nine point nine percent of doctors and nurses are fantastic people. But the trouble is, it's one of those professions where that point one percent can cause utter devastation. Look, if you have a bad accountant, you're going to lose a lot of money. If you had a bad lawyer, you might go to jail. If you got to kill a nurse or doctor, that's it. There was a, a medical serial killer. His name was Donald Harvey. Donald Harvey killed a number of people in the VA and outside of the VA. And they asked him why. And this is what he said. Well, people controlled me for 18 years, and then I controlled my own destiny. I controlled other people's lives, whether they lived or died. I had that power to control. And this is this is interesting. He says, after I didn't get caught for the first 15, excuse me, yeah, After I didn't get caught for the first 15, I thought it was my right. So I played God. Well, you know what? If you kill 15 people and nobody even questions you, maybe it's not so crazy to think that you're ordained by the Almighty to take people. Hell, you're killing people once a week here and nobody's even questioning you. You have one minute remaining. 
I want to, of course, say a huge thank you to Bruce Sackman for terrifying me from ever going back to a hospital ever again. But in all seriousness, though, we need to obviously point out that, of course, 99.9% of doctors and nurses do an incredible job and most of the time a thankless one at that. So we have to say a huge thank you to doctors and nurses for the jobs that they do. And you can learn more about Bruce and the work he's done and, of course, the world of medical serial killers by checking out his book, Behind the Murder Curtain, the link to which is in the description of this episode. One Minute Remaining is a Mashed Pumpkin production, created, hosted and produced by Jack Lawrence. Audio and sound design by Jack Lawrence and Dom Evans of Earsay. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.